I can't believe it. It's now 2023. I must admit in many ways I am thankful that 2022 has passed, but at the same time I'm thankful for all God did in my life this past year. Welcome to Kingdom Currents. My name is Glenn Schultz and I am privileged to serve as host for this podcast. It is hard to believe that this is already episode number 34 of Kingdom Currents. It seems like only yesterday that I recorded the very first episode. I am so thankful for Northwest Christian School in Phoenix, Arizona, for not only encouraging me to start this podcast, but also being willing to produce it each week for me. The school's Frameworks program has sponsored the podcast, uh, for which I am so thankful. I encourage all those uh, listening to check out Frameworks and discover the powerful courses that are offered there, all from a solid biblical worldview foundation. You can do this by going to Northwest Christian's website at ncsaz.org forward slash frameworks. That's ncsaz.org forward slash frameworks. On today's program, I want to share with you what is the most important aspect of a worldview. This one belief that is part of every worldview is the most important one in my thinking. What one believes about this one thing shapes every other belief associated with anyone's worldview. What is that most important aspect or component of any worldview? Um, what it, it's what one believes about God. Now, you might be thinking, well, that isn't so important to an atheistic worldview, since atheists don't even believe that there is a God. Well, that is a belief about God, that there isn't one. See, the rest of an atheistic worldview is determined by the belief that God doesn't exist. Likewise, what a biblical worldview believes about God shapes every other aspect of this particular worldview. What one believes about God changes everything. How one views human life, animal and plant life, right and wrong, why we're here, what happens after we die, on and on and on I can go, are all determined by what that person believes about God. My high school and college days took place during the 1960s. These years were marked by free love, rebellion against authority, the Vietnam War, and other such Uh, situations. The music produced in the 60s reflected on what was going on in the culture at the time. Much of the music was done in the form of ballads uh, that told the story of the mass confusion and disillusionment that was so common throughout society back then. There was one ballad that gave an accurate picture of what was going on in the minds of so many young people in my generation. Uh, The song was actually sung by Ed Ames and had the simple title, Who Will Answer? In the opening, you find these words. It it, It said, From the canyons of the mind, we wander on and stumble blindly through the often-tangled maze of starlit nights and sunless days while asking for some kind of clue or road to lead us to the truth, but who will answer? See, right from the beginning of the song, there is a sense of despair. 
These words can easily be applied to what young people are facing in today's mixed-up chaotic world. It's interesting to note that in all of the confusion and despair, the writer knew that the solution to every problem was found in the truth. Remember it said, while asking for some kind of clue or road to lead us to the truth. The song went on and the first actual uh, verse reads, Side by side, two people stand together, vowing hand in hand. That love's embedded in their hearts, but soon an empty feeling starts to overwhelm their hollow lives. And when they seek the hows and whys, who will answer? Now, this verse talks about marriage and the heartbreak that comes with divorce. And then it goes on to the next verse, and it reflects on the horror of the war that we were watching on TV at that time in real time. That verse reads, On a strange and distant hill, a young man's lying very still. His arms will never hold his child because a bullet running wild has struck him down, and now we cry, Dear God, oh why, oh why, but who will answer? The songwriter continues, turning to another crisis that was faced on a daily basis. That was the rise in the number of suicides that were taking place across the country. He put it in these words. High upon a lonely ledge, a figure teeters near the edge, and jeering crowds collect below to egg him on with go, man, go. But who will ask what led him to his private day of doom, and who will answer? The next verse was filled with images that some who might listen to the song today may not understand, but those of us living at that time fully comprehended the images. It goes this way. In the rooms of darkened shades, the scent of sandalwood pervades. The colored thoughts in muddled heads, reclining in the rumpled beds, on unmade dreams that can't come true, when we ask what we should do, who will answer? Of course, these words depicted the emptiness of trying to escape life's pain and problems through drugs. The focus in the next verse once again turns to the horrors of war because there was this threat of uh, nuclear annihilation and destruction. It was a major concern to my generation. So the songwriter wrote, Neath the spreading mushroom tree, the world revolves in apathy. As overhead a row of specks, which are, you know, fighter planes, roars on drowned out by discotheques, the entertainment of the day. And if a secret button's pressed because one man has been outguessed, who will answer? What happens if a man presses that nuclear button? The song took a turn at this point, and the writer asked the question, well, where are we going to find hope with all this going on? The options that the writer gave are the same ones that are found in today's world. Here, here are the options. The writer writes, Is our hope in walnut shells worn round the neck with temple bells? That can depict Eastern religions. Or is our hope deep within some cloistered walls where hooded figures pray in halls? Uh, that's Western religion. Or crumbled books on dusty shelves, education, or in our stars, 
astrology, or in ourselves, new age thinking. Who will answer? Then came the chorus. Again, listen to the despair that was dominant at this point of our country's history. If the soul is darkened by a fear it cannot name, if the mind is baffled when the rules don't fit the game, who will answer, who will answer, who will answer? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Again, this song could have been written today, and all of the confusion and despair would pretty much be the same. But how does this song fit into the topic of this episode? Well, it fits in because of one specific question that was asked in the song at the end of each verse and every verse and at the end uh, of the chorus. Before we look at that question, let me share with you the question that wasn't asked. See, with each problem depicted in this song, the question that wasn't asked was, what is the answer? No, the question asked is, who will answer? See, somehow, the writer knew the answers to life big questions are not found in a what, but in a who, a person. And that person is found in one's belief about God and who God is in each person's life. See, every person believes in a God. To the atheist, man is his own God. Whoever is the God in a person's life, that is the who that must answer the questions of life. If a person chooses to believe in the wrong God, the rest of the worldview will be faulty and he will never be able to answer the question correctly, who will answer? Of course, Christians say we believe in the true God, the God of Christianity. However, do we know this God for who he really is? Or have we formed an image of him as we want him to be, and not who he is as revealed in Scripture? See, to know the answers of life's big problems, we must develop and live by a biblical worldview, and that worldview can only be developed when one has an accurate image or beliefs about God. A few years ago, I purchased a book by Daniel Henderson titled The Deeper Life, Satisfying the Eight Vital Longings of Your Soul. I highly recommend the book to you. Daniel included a list of God's attributes and their descriptions in one of the appendices at the back of the book. It's good to have that list because knowing God's attributes is necessary if we're going to have an accurate image of who God is, which is going to then shape how we look at all of the rest of life. The author also included another appendix in his book, and this is the one that challenged me the most when thinking about God. He included his personal theology statement. Now, now theology, to just understand it, is the study of God. So what Daniel sets forth in this appendix is who God is as his personal beliefs about God as he has gone through studying about God, his theology. I want to share them with you as I close this episode. Listen to what he wrote. My personal theology statement. My God is the creator, so I will rest in knowing that all of life has divine design and spiritual purpose. My God is absolutely sovereign, so I will be still 
and know that he is God, assured that he is firmly in charge even when life seems out of control. My God is completely good, so I can choose to live in his peace and joy even when circumstances and people seem bad. My God is always just, so I will commit my soul to him who judges righteously even when life looks and feels unfair. My God is unconditional in his love, so I will anchor my well-being in the truth that nothing that happens and nothing I can do uh, I, I do can cause him to love me any more or any less. My God is abundant in grace, so I will receive his tailor-made grace for everything I face, knowing he will empower me in my weaknesses and forgive me in my failures and enable me to do the same for others. My God is holy, so I can surrender myself as a living sacrifice to the ones whose absolute moral purity is untainted by this sinful world. My God is all-knowing, so I will live in transparency and authenticity, knowing there is no motive, thought, or detail of my life about which he is unaware. My God is all-powerful, so I will rest in his sufficiency with the confidence that there is no personal struggle or life problem beyond his capability of handling with ease. My God is all-present, so I will seek to live for an audience of one, knowing there is no secret place in my world apart from his comforting peace and holy presence. My God is completely wise, so I will trust in the Lord with all my heart, assured that he has all the answers to any questions or issues that perplexes me. My God is the Lord Jesus Christ, so I will seek to know and be like him, convinced that he is the perfect and radiant picture of God. He is the Savior, model, and master of my life. My God lives in me by the Holy Spirit, so I will consistently and humbly surrender to his control, assured that he is my constant companion, performing a perfect and powerful ministry of encouragement, guidance, and teaching in and through my life for Christ's glory. Do you know God? Do you know God for who he really is? As we begin 2023, I believe it will be vitally important that we who are called Christians know God for who he is. Otherwise, we're going to go through yet another year in despair, wondering who will answer. Jessica Gake, Director of Curriculum and Instruction for Online Learning at Northwest Christian School. NCS has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public, private, or homeschool. Frameworks has developed these courses using subject matter experts and curriculum from Summit Ministries, Young Life, Stand to Reason, and many others. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com. 